what if Michigan blows the doors off Ohio State and then gets shut out against Iowa? Or if Michigan be beats wild. Ohio State close and then gets shut out by Iowa? Yeah, that I'm taking whichever those team create problems. Which, whichever team looks bad against Iowa, you're not allowed in my playoff. Like I can't speak for the committee. <laughs> Just but principle. If you look bad against Iowa, get out of here. I don't want to watch you against anybody. is an untitled college football podcast. How do your Saturdays feel? Um, our Saturdays have been filled with, well, I guess after these Saturdays, we've had punishments, we've had firings, retirements, uh, scapegoats left and right. Just a lot of, a lot of, a lot of stories to talk about. Um, black, the Black Monday of college football. Yeah, for for whatever reason, I guess this is like the day now, and like maybe this is the mathematical. Uh, yeah, for some, I guess for some schools, this is like the mathematical. You could be eliminated from bowl contention, but that's not even what we saw with a some a number of these firings. So it's not even that. I don't know. I guess all the collectives woke up and decided we've had enough. This is. We don't see any change coming and at these various places. And so let's just get ahead of this now because it's what we'll talk about is now everyone's just going to race to whoever's next. And I want to have a general conversation about the market for college football coaches and, and really um, the amount of money that they're commanding for really no reason. Um, there's, there's no, there's no market like, bidding against them yeah, other than themselves. themselves yeah yep. other than themselves and the other school so there really is no need for 76 million dollar buyouts and those types of things um but like we said just a second ago before we started recording jimmy saxton and these other agents they're the real mvps right now um like i'm never like they're doing their jobs very well and college coaches uh, are benefiting from it and then we'll talk about the the job that college coaches are doing but the agents are doing exactly what agents are supposed to do which is extract as much money from your negotiating party as possible so good on them not going to say anything bad about them my understanding uh, unless it's changed i think there's some kind of december signing day and that might be yeah. what ADs have their eye on recruiting. Wanting to, yeah, yeah, get ahead of it, this recruiting cycle. Yeah, it is. It's it's more like in the NFL. There's that harsh date where it's like, okay, the 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 last day of the season or that second to last day, whatever. And we that's because the playoffs are about to start, so regular season's over. But yeah, college now because of how serious the recruiting is getting, the transfer portal days, keeping like half of recruiting now is keeping your players if they're good from going other places if you're struggling but brought good recruits in. Then you got to find the other good transfers that you want to try to bring in. Then you have to try to, you know, try to find the high school students that you want to bring in. So 
I would say those coaches and those dates, like we'll, we will get into each individual, I think firing and all that, but I want to start with the thing that happened after we did a bonus coaches show uh more news came and we i guess knew like that something i said they were going to rule something this week it's just a matter of what it was going to be and to me it was a half measure that really serves no purpose if that it serves no purpose yeah half is maybe even calling it generous it's just i don't know a quarter measure is not really a popular term or a known term but if, if 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 it wasn't even a half measure maybe this is a quarter measure and you know it doesn't really serve a purpose um i'll let you go first kind of with your thoughts on just uh overall i'll just state you know three games uh at the time that they ruled the punishment that he was not allowed to attend in person is allowed to coach during the week so essentially just couldn't go to games on saturday as far as i understand is the only punishment and he could return for playoffs should they make it because it just said regular season so I'll let you just kind of lay out your thoughts when you saw that and just where you stand with all this. And then I'll kind of you know, go from there. But I want to know just when all this went down and throughout all this, where are you at with it now? Yeah, I mean, I think all this is silly, <laughs> frankly. Yeah. Um, I understand. I do appreciate the fact that the, a, the uh, commissioner of the Big Ten it's just, you know, rocking the hard place. Doesn't have a lot of great options at his disposal. On one hand, he has um, the rest of the schools in the league really, like, demanding that he do something. But on the other hand, he has Michigan that really hasn't had any kind of due process at this point. And they're not done with their investigation. And interestingly, the Big Ten didn't do any investigation themselves. Mm-hmm. So they are solely relying upon the NCAA to – collect information, share information. And like we've already talked about in prior episodes, it's just like moves at a glacial pace. And right. so there was going to be any new information we're going to get about this probably for months, if not years, after, you know, this playoff season that's come and gone. Yeah. So yeah, go ahead. his decision was to satisfy neither party, to, like you said, give some kind of punishment. Um. Kind of. That's not really a punishment to Jim Harbaugh as like the face of the program as someone who's like responsible for overseeing everything that happens. But then there's like this bizarre line in the press conference where they're like, well, not the press, in the press release saying, we acknowledge that we don't know what Jim Harbaugh knew. So that's, yeah, that's a weird just, thing to say. Really on the back messy. Of, on the back of levying a punishment, it's a weird thing to say. Um, uh, maybe, you know, to an extent, it maybe is punishment for Harborough because he's a crazy person and, you know, essentially um, taking him away from his team on game days is it's probably more of a punishment to him than money would be in that sense because there was a, I think, fine was another possible part of the punishment that the Big Ten had the ability to levy. But I think what we also talked about was why – a this was a tough thing to satisfy all parties is because we were talking about to what extent are other schools within the conference that are crying foul here uh, guilty of some of this 
or knowledge of or participant you know what i mean and then from there this is my kind of my overall view of what this has always been and it's worse when you're electronically doing it which is why i do think you have to investigate it to the the fullest which unfortunately the ncaa like we said slow investigators bad investigators i wish we had a better way of doing that but you know to have it all come out and then you know levy a punishment and then let's kind of judge it based off of that but the punishment or sin here that they seem to be you know the, the punishment that's being levied isn't because they did what they did so much as they were super arrogant and flo- like just sloppy and not good at it and got caught and the crime here seems to be getting caught not the cheating now, obviously moving forward they're going to be more strict about what measures you could go to because this all just seems like a no one said you couldn't dress up like a Central Michigan coach and go to the sideline and record it in Google Glasses. Where does it say you can't do that, right? No, this this seems like a, which is why I feel like you heard Michigan say we will pursue legal actions if they go too far. I, I feel like this all seems like a, it's not in the rule book or it's not illegal because no one thought that anyone would go to these lengths to do it. We just kind of all handshake agree that we're not doing it this way. So... I don't know how serious of a punishment it's going to be if it just comes out in an embarrassing way. Like I said, Jim Harbaugh might not get to coach at Michigan again just because it's a bad look and it's embarrassing and he keeps kind of doing whatever he wants. But um, I just kind of think this whole thing is more entertaining and good content and, like you said, silly than it is uh, – very serious especially if seven or eight or nine other schools are doing it in the conference and who knows what else is going on across the country while you know i let's just it's a interesting pandora's box that could also kind of just like bounty gate in the nfl's like everyone's doing it one team got caught shut the whole thing down across the league this could be that in college a lot of people are doing it one team got caught shut it all down I mean, he's doing what he wants, but also arguably you could say that he hasn't really been held accountable. No, not He's yet. missed a few games, been the away most... from the team for a little bit, and yeah, this right but... here is not even a real punishment. He's not being doc pay. No. He can still coach throughout the week, prepare game plans. He can still communicate even if he wants to. The biggest punishment so far was for his cheeseburger scandal. That is the most he has been made to suffer throughout all of what's going on. Um and I, I do the only we talked about all the circumstantial evidence and the timing of a lot of this stuff. One thing I left out was it. I guess I left it out because it's apparently ob- like obvious to me. This whole Michigan thing was not going well for him until right around the time that allegedly this is all started. You know, apparently to have started again. Connor Salians to the rest- rescue coming in to save the program because they were losing Ohio State. They weren't, I think they got beat by Penn State one time. Maybe, maybe not, because, you know, we'll get to, uh, what's his name, James Franken later. But it's just, it wasn't going all that smooth for them. They were losing out on recruiting battles. And then all of a sudden, like we said, they just started running through people. Now they're in the playoff every year. And so if it was also a desperation thing where Harborough said, yeah, like, it's not point. going well, and, like, I'm, I will do whatever it takes to turn this thing around, that is also just, like, 
a quality and a character trait that you shouldn't have around 18 to 21 year old young men just not a good uh leader in that sense if it's because he's even talked about like his upbringing and his family and his brothers and his pops and go google some of the stuff he was and did as a player punching reporters wilding out just being like he's wild like it restraint issues are kind of a thing and it's there's a reason he was good at two other places that really loved him but were also like you gotta go and part of it might just be he is a ruthless competitor ceo type but to a way that it's like the ruthless is a big part of it so just i'm not demonizing him but it is just something to yeah like you said he hasn't really been held accountable and that's kind of the theme here well yeah and that's you know i'm i agree with everything that you're saying and i think that jim harbaugh in many ways is also just a byproduct of their own making like you on one hand want to play up this idea of a michigan man and kind of scoff at things that you see Ohio State these other schools doing that you think is cheating. But then also you're paying these coaches five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven million dollars a year and say win at all costs. What do you think is gonna happen? Yeah. He's looking over at James Franklin and saying, I don't want to be him. And that's where I'm headed. So I don't know that you can I mean, obviously he's making the choice here, but coaches have all the incentive in the world to bend the rules given how much money is on the line. So we can't create these, we can't create the conditions for people to cheat and then wonder why they're cheating. Correct. I mean, yeah, I, I'm i not, that's partly why I was like, I do think it's more silly than anything. Uh, I think the bigger thing that you could talk about with Harbor is just the kind of mentality of whatever it takes. Um, and just that ruthless competitive that type of, you know, is there a, a balance that that can be struck as a head coach um, to where you're also teaching? This is where this is where we draw the line as a program or as a you know whatever. Like, uh, it's kind of what we talk about with Dion in terms of wanting to see kind of the other how else does he coach the kids outside of just wins and losses on the football field? What are the other messages that he's trying to bring to the program? And I just feel like I would, I'm curious what people have to say about Harborough, the man and the relationship that his players have with him that exists in a non football football capacity. Like, is there that? In a way, like Nick Saban, people would not – you would look at Nick Saban and the Bill Belichicks, both of them, kind of from that tree, and the exterior would, you would think, probably not a you know, good relationship maybe or, or mostly just football, very business-like with the players, but you do the deep dive to know both of those guys and the relationships that they have, and that that's not true. It's just that's the exterior, but on the interior, there is a lot more of a relationship that they have – family and outside of football and those types of conversations i would be curious you know you don't hear it about harbor it's not that's not to say that it doesn't exist you definitely hear it more about his brother so you know i don't know if that's more nfl you cover it more 
but you do you that's not something that you really hear about uh Jim Harbaugh in that way so it's just I, I find him to be a very interesting figure and an interesting coach and like interesting coaches are good for ratings and storylines and those types of things but yeah I'm just curious kind of to what extent um this all goes then where kind of the 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 further the investigation where we go from there well I mean I think we already know part of the answer to that and I think Michigan's response to this is very telling Michigan based on what I've read at no point has denied any of the allegations their stance has been, we're standing behind Coach Harbaugh, mm. period. Yeah. Like they had an opportunity to say, not that I expect them to, to your point, oh, we crossed the line a little bit. We maybe took this a little bit too far. Integrity of the game is important, blah, 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 blah. But I haven't done that. They have stood behind Harbaugh at every step mm-hmm. because Harbaugh's winning football games. So that tells me all I need to know about what's most important here. Yeah. I mean, that's what their stance is. I I get that. I guess if I'm seeing any kind of circumstance where he no longer coaches there, it's not because they are like willingly asking him to leave. It'll be because of exterior reasons that they don't really have control over. That would be obviously pretty unprecedented. Michigan's pretty powerful. Harbor's pretty powerful. It's all a very powerful entity here. And it seems again like what's being talked about isn't, you know, job losable. Um, but no, that's only what we know right now. So that's 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 only what we could go based off of right now. If there's more to, to be found out about, then you know, I, I I don't know. Again, we know the NCAA is going to move slow, so there's no point in really speculating if Harbaugh gets to come back for the Big Ten championship. And it's just like kind of it is what it is. Um, then I we can all move on. But before, well, I'm not going to move on before I address Jerome Moore, who was in tears about how much he loved Jim Harborough. About that, what? I'm not here for that. What are you crying all. about? It's just I, when I first saw it, I thought it was like he was happy for the kids and the victory. But then I actually listened the second time that they were doing the highlight show to the what he was saying, and that's not needed. Um, like. If we're gonna give uh, eighteen, I'm sorry, twenty-something-year-old Caleb Williams shit about crying after a game with his mother, um, which I'm, I didn't do that, but if it, it was a thing that was done. I am definitely gonna give grown-ass man Sharon Moore all types of shit for being in tears about his love for Jim Harbor, like he just died, as opposed to he's at home watching the game right. and he'll be back and th- you'll see him tonight, bro. Like he will, you could tell him this in a couple hours, but and y'all did this. It's not like y'all being persecuted. No, but that's the thing, though. They have to immediately assume persecution complex. Of you course. saw, you saw JJ McCarthy with his bet single word tweet response, uh, like he's gonna go off and do something, and like they are. Oh, like y'all don't believe in us. Yeah, you don't believe. Yeah, you guys don't believe in my ability to carry the handoff play action out. <laughs> you guys don't believe in my pitch ability. But it's it. They have to. They're going to do the persecution complex. They're not because otherwise, what are they going to do? Okay, y'all, we we did this, but we didn't really need to do this. Like we're good enough to win on our own, right? Come on, let's 
Let's go show them. Like, nah, they got to be like, everybody thinks we can't do it. Everybody thinks we had to cheat. So whatever. Just don't do that, Jerome. That was game one. You're coaching for two more games. Don't do that again, please. Because y'all might have to win another close game against a bad team. Like that, that's, you know, which is what Penn State is. I don't care. Like you can't just have 50% of a football team and try to tell me that you're good. There are other aspects of a team. Their defense is great. But if we're just talking about football teams that only have half or 25% or, you know, 33% of a unit, um, that we could talk about a lot of football teams. But we, I'm done talking about Penn State for the rest of this year unless something crazy happens at their university. I'll talk about their coach in a second, but uh, Sheryl Moore, don't do that no more. Um, My last last two Harbaugh thoughts that I have, like I know we got to move yeah. on other stuff. Oh, yeah, go. First is, if Michigan were four and six, he'd be fired. Yeah, correct. I Obviously, think, we know. I think we all know that. Winning is the best cologne. I think the second thing is, it'd be, I'm interested to see what happens going forward. Um. Michigan can appeal, and it looks like they will. Yeah. And Harbaugh could just say, forget y'all, I'm coaching. Right. And nobody can do and anything that's it. about it. So I I wonder if, there, if there's like a kind of handshake agreement that we're going to give you this soft punishment, take us this goes away, um, or if there's not an agreement in place and they decide to buck. But if he does decide to buck, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I want him to because I'm here for chaos when it comes to college football as long as no one's truly harmed. So I want that because the Michigan was threatening litigation from the jump. So I want to know, you know, what's the next step here? Like, what if he just does? I mean, obviously, he could have done that now. There's no real yeah, authority I'm surprised in charge. He, did it. Right? he could have just shown up. There's no real authority in charge. Um, and the simple fact is, y'all punished me before an investigation was concluded. Like, you can't do that. Yeah. I think a judge would hear that out. Yeah. I I mean, he would have ground to stand on that, I think, for sure. Um, I don't see a word in which he doesn't coach against Ohio State. So I I fully expect to see him coaching, but I guess we'll see. Well, there, I feel like they have, they're getting the ball rolling on that now in terms of the like how that looks or how are they gonna get him out there to coach whether it's by challenging the ruling um or you know getting an appeal like issuing an appeal where he's coaching literally on an appeal um but yeah i don't you're right that (laughs) that because they can lose that game, even if he's there. Like, these, listen, well, I don't want to, spoiler alert, neither one of Ohio State or Michigan are impressive to me as just complete units. They can have their games, but both of them are going to play each other. Like, I, I said four or five weeks ago that the litmus test for me was how both of these teams look against Penn State. One played them at home, one played them on the road. Both the games look the exact same. One team has Marvin Harrison, the other team doesn't. I'm not impressed really with either Michigan or Ohio State. So when those two play rivalry game, it'll help that it's at home for Michigan, which is, again, another reason why hard to imagine you won't see Harborough there right at Michigan. But, I, you know, Ohio State can win that game. And yep. their, their season ending at home 
to Ohio State with Al Jim Harborough there would be amazing theater, but there would be so many reasons why they would not want that to even potentially play out. But we will we'll have time to talk, I think, even a little. We'll talk about those teams a little bit more. I just want to move on to the other, the real interesting coach right now because the Michigan stuff, like we said, it's 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 great content. Nothing's really happened. A quarter measure at that. But a full measure has been taken at Texas A&M. And I've been playing at the game for a year. Is like, it? Uh, the year is it prime time at Texas A&M? <laughs> I, I, well, oh, we're already there, huh? I, I was it prime playing, time? I've been playing. We'll see. I've been playing for a year. Like, all right, what, what has to happen for the, the Jimbo Fisher A&M buyout? And here's the thing. Part of the reason why he's getting bought out is directly tied to the price of crude oil. A large part of the reason why. And the large part of why crude oil is higher right now than it has been in the past is because of what is going on in the Middle East. Those are very true things that funded a $76 million buyout, which is to say we will give you $76 million to not be not to coach anymore, please. And not just that, just for some details, in 60 days they have to give him, I believe it's $19.5 million yep. within 60 yep. days. 120 days after that, they have to give him another $7.2 million. And then they have to give him $7.6 million, I believe, over the next six, maybe seven years, whether he gets a job or not, until the full $76 million has been paid. They'll be paying him the next eight years. Yeah. They'll be paying for two two head, two coaching administrations the next eight so years. So not only is that, that's just his money. They're going to fire some of his staff. Some of his staff gets some <clears> money. Then they have to hire a whole new staff, which is roughly, let's just go conservatively here, somewhere between 50 and $60 million for an entire staff, but they could go crazy again. We'll talk about maybe what they They, they have to. Because yeah, if you're no. a coach that's going to take the job at Texas a are you going to take anything less? You ha- yeah, no, you, like, you know what you can extort from those people, and you also know like you guys have crazy, unreasonable expectations, which is where I want to start. This is all Johnny Manziel's fault. Johnny Manziel is the reason that all this is happening right now. Texas A&M has expectations of schools that they beat this one time because they had this one special team and they already fired the dude that was there when that one special team did the thing. They said peace to Kevin Sumlin a long long time ago, which, yeah, he's getting paid. So Kevin Sumlin, who was responsible for all that success – had a little bit of taste of what Jimbo is going through now. They told him to kick rocks. They brought Jimbo in. He had a good year. It happened to be during COVID. Big surprise. Other than that, it's been a bunch of four or five lost seasons, which, you know, Texas A&M, I guess they could be doing better. He definitely, if you're going to have that recruiting class, I see them making a better argument for that. There were 27 and 21 in conference under him, 45-25 overall. Not great. Best win is like a Gator or an Orange Bowl. They were in the Orange Bowl that COVID year, so don't even count that one, really. They kept going to a bunch of Gator Bowls. 
it's um you know i it's a job that has the resources and the money it's a job that the next coach like you said should absolutely extort as much money from that place as they possibly can but it's also a job where you might lose four times a year because you play alabama and georgia and lsu and florida and sometimes texas or at oklahoma and like you might lose sometimes but they have got to this place fan base wise where they think they should pay more than anybody for a coach. And then they also think they should win more than anyone. Inevitably they don't. And they're just going to do the same thing over again, by the way, whoever they hire, they're going to give them a ball. Like you said, they're going to do it again. And why? Cause they're negotiating against who? Why are administrations so afraid for their first option to walk? There's a lot of evidence that it's okay when that happens in terms of some good hires that have worked out, by the way. Not being the first hire or the first option. These folks are so locked into their candidate. It happens in the NFL as well, that Mm -hmm. they're willing to do anything to get these people and then when it doesn't work out you're literally spending hundreds of millions of dollars on people to not do anything right this is an obscene amount of money that frankly is an embarrassment especially given the hearings about to undergo again about compensating players and universities having to cut other athletic sports and things like this this is obscene yeah this, this is completely a scene, and this, could, it, should, it should be embarrassing that this is happening for everybody. I feel like $76 million could very much help fund some of the non-revenue-generating um, sports that are kind of getting left out in the cold with a lot of what's going on right now. Um, so that's from that standpoint. It's worse when it's public institutions. You know, A&M uh, is not. So that's, you know, is what it is. But it's still, like you said, that's a ridiculous amount of money for somebody to not coach. From a strictly football standpoint, I can understand the argument for it. But it's just like, well, you look at the position that you put yourself in, right? So let's learn from that. Also, the, 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 the worst part of it is was after the COVID year that they extended him further, owing him therefore more yes. money. If they could have just relaxed and been like, let's see what happens at the end of said contract that's already wildly expensive, then that would be one thing. But they did it even worse to themselves by being like, wow, you did great in a season that was the weirdest thing to ever exist in life. Let's give you more money because that won't be totally a blip. So... I- and where was he going to go? Yeah, that's the you got him from Florida State already, which is one of the most desirable jobs. You had to pay him a boatload of money to do that. So. He left in shambles. And just like yeah, he, he ruined the, yeah, he, he, he which, and again, the, uh, a great example for Florida State is Mike Norvell, not for sure, not the first choice. Like they, you might not see or hear any of that now, but I 100% remember that reporting. And Mike Norvell was not the number one first choice at that time for that job. So it's a... And that's Mike Novell who's won, what, 17, 18 games in a correct. row at this point? Like we, and I've said, I've, I've at every instance, I think I've at least tried to mention 
you know, what a job that Mike Norvell has done because of some of the big, A, because he got the time, but B, just because of how quick we're judging some of these other coaches first season or just because as opposed to a recycled tread, maybe we look at some of these smaller, you know, group of fives, some of these O and D coordinators at some of these other positions, like new pipelines, new avenues, different, you know, because given time, if you're at a place like, a, you know, Liberty or a Fresno State and, and over 10 years, you're just winning eight, nine, 10 games at those places. If given the resources at some of these other places, I think you can get something like what Mike Norvell has become. But it's just uh, we need to be schools need to be a little bit more reasonable with what they're offering there's no you are in a market where it's either like these people are either working at one college or another going down the high school is a demotion if they could go to the nfl generally they would be unless they don't you know unless they're choosing to be in college by choice so the market is just y'all you don't have to go crazy um you know penn state fired their offensive coordinator the same way i'm i said about lincoln riley last week where alex grinch is you know, okay, he he goes because he's the D coordinator. Not the problem. You're the constant, or not the constant. Maybe part of the problem, but there's one constant here. James Franklin, your offensive coordinator. He fine. He had to go. Totally get it. There's one constant here when it comes to your offense constantly lacking, and it's you. So the uh, whole coaches being uh, part of evaluating like how much of the problem am I seems to be one of the hardest things. Like how much of the reins should I take off, right? Because Mike Yurkich came in and immediately was talking about how this is totally different than how like I used to run offense, and it's because James Franklin's in the room all the time, kind of group think how we're gonna do this. And when you're the head coach, it's not a group thing. It's just you're the head coach. People are gonna say what they think, but ultimately, like you're the guy, so you can't really be on the group think. That means it's your offense. So what's that thing too? Like just being honest about what kind of impact you want to have. Yeah. Lincoln Riley, like if you just want to be an offensive coordinator, just go do that. If you don't yeah. want to deal with the other things that come with being a head coach or being the CEO. Then do that. But we're having the same conversation with James Franklin, with Lincoln Riley, and even with Jimbo who took forever to stop calling plays. It's like, this is the job. Your job is to be over the entire program. If that's, you don't want to do that, then go be an OC. Go be a quarterback's coach. Just then that's fine. You can make a lot of money just doing that. Yeah. And you I think you want to do both and it's not working. Once you get up there, it's tough. And I think either what you have to do is and it's tough, especially you know, James Franklin came up as a receivers coach, then O coordinator. So like his whole thing is just hands on, hands on. But it's like you you're that's it's the whole if the constant here is you and you're always the one meddling in the offense as the head coach your job is actually to find the best person for the job which sometimes coaches coaches don't have the ego to say there's somebody better that could call the the offense than me like from you know james franklin or there's better offensive minds out there that could do this lincoln riley there are Better and I think Lincoln Riley's thing is he's too concerned with the offense. He needs to find somebody who we trust with his offense 
and learn something about defense and spend some time with that side of the goddamn ball because it's that's the it's the same thing. It's like you can't be too involved unless you're one of the greats here at that. You have to have people that like you said that you trust that you're putting in place. Let them do that. Um, so that next hire is like uh you know big moment here in terms of I yeah, James Franklin has a huge buyout, so he's not going anywhere. They don't have oil money at Penn State. He will be there. But if they just keep kind of recycling through these coordinators, keep doing the same thing every year. Well, again, most schools, nine, ten wins and going to, you know, a, a December 31st or later bowl type of bowl sometimes is great. But I guess Penn State's going to get tired of losing to Michigan and Ohio State every single year the same way, especially if it's like we don't even feel like we're going to win these games because we can't score, can't even move the damn ball. So I I want certain coaches to learn the art of CEOing and allowing new, younger pipe again, fresh pipeline, fresh ideas, new people to run some of these coordinating coaching rooms, and you just be the head coach, like which means you set everything up for success the way you want it, but let other manage. people execute, right? And manage the people, manage the egos, manage the temperament, manage the kids, manage the expectations, the emotions of a season how we're going to you know, train, when we're going to practice, what's best. That All those decisions, there's so much there. Like The more you're focused on doing that well and letting your O coordinator really like game plan most of the way, you obviously will know what it is, but just do most of like Get 85% of the way there. I think we need, we need more of that because that's how you get the, you know, like we say, the new pipeline, some more diverse candidates, some younger people from different places. Um, as the Boise State coach gets hired, right, or fired, Andy Avalos. That's a job I've been talking about or a team I've been talking about all year. Uh, they just have expectations. They haven't been bad since 1997. They haven't had a losing season since 97. There's a whole generation of people who have never seen this team do what they're doing this year, which is, you know, have a losing record. And it's Boise. You can have success there. They're one of the best power five places to have success, but it just shows you they have a three-year leash and then they're kicking people out. So it's an expectation thing, almost like Dabo said. It's like an expectation thing, Um, but it's also a, you know, you can, I, I mean, I guess they're like, no, you're not winning in three years, move on. I don't know how good this coach would have been Maybe he's not a good enough recruiter. I don't know. But I do know if the time frame of a coach is that short at a place like Boise State, a lot of these jobs now are just getting to a place where you got two, maybe three years with the portal to be good or we are moving on. And that's wild. This is different services. The Mississippi State's coach didn't even get a year. Yeah, that – there's got to be something else there because – I've never seen that before. Like that's there's not a lot of cases in college football where you don't make it through the season at a place like Mississippi State. That's really rare. Like Mississippi State is not 
we have grand expectations here. That is not what they are. They just want to be bowl eligible, be Ole Miss once every two years in the Egg Bowl, and you know have a, a football team that every once in a while Dak Prescott or um, you know Demonte Moore. No, no, he went to Texas A&M. Who's I forget? They had a pass rusher that came through there. Maybe a Sweat Montez Sweat. I think was down there. Um, but yeah, they they just want to have a good time, man. So that one was probably the most. Uh, surprising one zach arnett which you know i i didn't get a chance to learn much about him because he was fired so quickly so i have to do a little bit of so research. but um you know that's that's what it is and my question to a lot of these schools is are y'all do you guys have a succession plan because typically you shouldn't fire someone unless you have some idea of who you might want to replace them with and in college football you know like we said the market's not that big. Like, you know, there's plenty of people, but in the scheme of other jobs who hire people, there is a lot of a smaller amount of people who can do some of these jobs as well as these schools want. Um, I mean, we we talk about some of the coaches at these smaller programs, a Lance Leopold at Kansas is always the name you hear, Mike Elko now, Duke. Like, you hear some of these names which are some of the coaches that are now at some of these schools that are getting fired three and four years later, or who are, you know, like Billy Napier was big, you know, small program doing well, goes to Florida. This is year two of it's not what Florida wants to see. So three years of this, I don't think they would, you know, how long before that's going to last it, but I, he might be a good coach. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just, it's a tougher landscape now. And I think teams, all teams, I don't know. No group wants fan base wants to hear. We can't all win nine games. It's mathematically impossible, but it just seems like every team wants to win eight or nine games now. And so are we going to let some of these coaches who were the hot names, not that long ago, like Scott Frost came and gone, come and gone undefeated UCF goes to Nebraska, total failure, right? Just out of here. Um, I like I I want some of these coaches to get these shots. When I say leave some of these small programs, like a Michael Oxley, like can he, what he's building in Maryland is very impressive. If he were given some of these other schools resources, I think it would be even more impressive, right? I think he could compete with a Penn State. Um, but is he, you know, better off building that awesome thing at Maryland? Then he would be going to a Mississippi State and get, having unrealistic expectations of getting fired right away. Yeah. It's just I, some of these, like we always say, Bob Stoops, best job in the country because you're at Kentucky, you win six or seven games. Oh, yeah, Mark. You're mm-hmm. immortalized forever. Some of these jobs to me are that. Like if, if I'm Lance Leopold, and my name is always the first to a lot of these like jobs that get opened up. I don't know, man. This thing at Kansas is pretty good. Like I know there's a ceiling to it. I know wow. we can't beat Oklahoma every year, but I'm also at a place that knows we can't beat Oklahoma every year. So when we don't, I don't have to worry I'm going to get fired the next year. And when we do, I get to keep my job for another three or four years and I get a pay raise. So some of these coaches do have decisions to make about is the bigger program with more resources that comes with more expectations is that always better 
Or sometimes is the grass not greener? Should you stay at your Tulane? Should you stay at your JMU? Should you just, it's good there. Just stay, get more money, but stay. Yeah, I think some of this also, and this this came up when I was looking into what's going on at Texas A&M. The continuity of administration matters a lot too. Sure. So part of the issue at Texas A&M and some of these other schools is you have the athletic department, and then you have in Texas A&M's case three independent booster clubs that yeah. aren't affiliated with the school directly, but that raise a lot of money and call a lot of shots. Yeah, they might as well be in charge. One of the right, and one of the quotes that came up that I that stuck with me, you know, reading about um, reading about your boy uh, Jimbo this past weekend was someone said so. Some anonymous source said, "Ask Jimbo Fisher who his boss is or who he reports to, and the answer will probably surprise you." And at some of these big schools, there are so many different people that are in charge, so nobody's in charge. And so because there's no continuity between administration, so AD, and then these coaches, um, then you get in situations where it's volatile and it becomes hard to win because everyone's not rowing in the same direction at the same pace. Yeah. No, that's a great point. And, um, you know, you know why Oregon's been one of the most successful programs in the last 25 years? Because Phil Knight runs their program, right? They have a CEO of Nike or found, you know, the guy who was in charge of Nike is in charge. Was in charge of Oregon in terms of who really was in charge. Um, yeah, some of these collectives. When you had three, like at least you know, one collective is enough as it is to get the board or the collective of people all to pull in one direction as it is. When you have three different collectives, um, if you ask Jimbo Fisher who his boss is. He, he might tell you three different people, three different people ask him, depending on who's asking him, it seems like in those types of scenarios. So, yeah, it's um, it's why, again, a lot, there's a, a professional aspect of this until you go all the way up to the top and realize, except there really aren't any who's the CEO, who's the treasurer, who like who's in charge of some of these things. And a lot of it is just really like mm, Wild Wild West is the answer to a lot of that. And it's almost always the players who are the ones who get the most or the least fair treatment, you know, the most unfair or the least mm-hmm. fair treatment uh, in all of these dealings. Because again, all the money that's being wielded for a lot of this, um, all paid for by the television account, mostly paid for a lot of paid for by television contracts for the players who are appearing themselves on television but still don't get to be employees with benefits and all those types of things. They're the ones kind of at the bottom of total pole still, even with NIL and those types of things. So not to hop There's out. that. And let's not forget that players are recruited by people. So when those mm-hmm. people leave or get fired, right. you're not losing your time connection to the school. And so if a coach comes in with a different philosophy or a different plan, like you might have to leave. Yeah. Which, deal with all the NCAA schools, the transfer eligibility, which and until, all of that. So until, that's also what disadvantages, disadvantages players. Yeah, and until recently, you couldn't even. Yeah, they made transfer like at least now it's you know a little bit more free and, and easier. But until recently, that wasn't even as much of an option. Um, so yeah, it's 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 there's a lot of disorganization and uh, very few 
models of schools where it's just like they are all organized. You know, there's certain schools you could point to, like, you know, if, if you could say one thing, like, well, the players we know, this system screws the players, but like this organization's collective or this team or schools, they are all like for Georgia to get where Georgia got had to take for a whole bunch of people to all get on the same page that we're trying to get here with that, with the Bamas and the, the, the school, like we're trying to get to that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, 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 it's fascinating <clears throat> stuff. We could talk uh, about that probably for the, definitely there will be more movements, hires, fires, those types of stuff. So we'll keep our eye on that. The only other thought I had randomly, this is before any of all those at Brady Hoke also retired. I don't think we need to see, say anything about that. Has anyone been paying attention to San Diego State in the last couple of seasons. I The last thing I said about them probably on this podcast was that their quarterback at one point in the season was a safety. So, like, um, a, a guy who played safety was also their quarterback or a former safety. So that's the level that San Diego State was at. So Brady Hope retired, which I said that means his agent's better or his PR guy's better. Um, I would imagine the university politely asked him, please stop stop doing what you're doing and he said okay I'll, I'll just stop coaching so however that works out i didn't do the details like with uh jimbo i don't know how much he gets but no one's paying attention to brady hoke a team also nobody else might be paying attention to segue toledo i just happened to make a note of them they're eight and one their only losses to illinois so if they hadn't lost that one you know illinois is not terrible if they hadn't lost that one, we'd be talking about another, you know, uh, group of, uh, you know, non-power five or whatever, uh, undefeated school. But just keep an eye on Toledo. If they run the table the rest of the way with the one loss against Illinois, when bowl season rolls around, if they end up matched up against a team you've watched and heard of, and it's a big giant spread, just maybe don't sleep on Toledo. Just throwing that out there to anybody. Uh, what do you want to do first? Playoff talk or Heisman talk? Ooh, let's do playoff. All right, playoff talk. We didn't have anyone other than who I think, I mean, at least I expected who was going to lose, which was Penn State because they were playing Michigan and Ole Miss because they were playing Georgia. But no one else in the top 12 lost. So from refresher, this is just what the committee has. We're here on a Monday, so they will release the new rankings tomorrow. The committee going into this week had Oregon State at 12, Louisville at 11, Penn State at 10, Ole Miss at 9, Alabama at 8, Texas at 7, Oregon at 6, Washington at 5, Florida State at 4, Michigan at 3, Georgia 2, Ohio State one so from the committee standpoint the only thing i know for sure is penn state and Ole miss will drop out of that top 10 that's the only thing that we know for sure i would assume that just means louisville and oregon state bump up to yeah to the to the nine and ten spot because they both won um so what else really do you know outside of that outside of the top 12 i don't really want to guess or play those games but like outside of those moves in the top 10 what else are they really gonna like might they switch around their order within the top 
you know, whatever. I don't know anymore. I don't, I don't care. But outside of the top 10, there's no, do you see them taking a Missouri, a two loss Missouri and jumping them over Oregon state who was ranked ahead of them the week before Missouri beats Tennessee, Tennessee is a better opponent. Maybe they put Missouri over Oregon state. Those Oklahoma state, those Kansas, yeah, uh, I was just looking going close to the top. Know, yeah, they're gonna drop. Yeah, like I don't. If you want to guess what, what they're gonna do up top, with please. A rivalry game, a Florida State team who struggled with a not very good Miami team, and Washington picked up another top twenty-five win. Mm-hmm. Does that make any difference? Mm-hmm. And move Washington to the top four? I don't know. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a fair question, committee-wise. Um, I will I'll get into I have a 12 team. I'll give you my 12 team. I think I think these are better. And you could tinker tinker this with me so maybe we could come up with a collective one. But if I and I'm doing 12, this is a 12 in, in advance of our 12 team playoff here. Give me Missouri at 12. Give me Louisville at 11. Give me our undefeateds. They just keep moving up cuz they don't do nothing wrong. So give me Louisville at I'm sorry, Liberty at ten. Give me JMU at nine. Texas at eight. Bump them down because I have to judge their product based off of them not having their starting quarterback. Because I don't know when Ewers is coming back, and they just lost one of their better running backs, their starting running back, ACL for the season. No, Ewers um, played this past Saturday. Oh, we played. Well, that's even yeah. more. You said the whole game. That's even more concerning. Yeah, Texas doesn't want to win. Apparently, okay. So I'm moving. They them look down. very shaky. They look shaky against a shaky TCU team. So shaky on shaky, uh, not good. And the third, that, the second week in a row where they've given up a three touchdown lead, and have gone down to the wire, which is very concerning to me. Yeah, I I had them on screen. Four or five. Uh, paid little attention to it, but I thought Griffin, who I think who was the quarterback prior, who was backing up, I thought he was still playing. Um, no. Yeah, he was, not, he was in there, threw for a lot of yards, but a pick and only a touchdown. Um, but, yeah, their team just on, on the whole, um, I just saw that thing getting closer and closer. I guess I've still never paid it as much attention as I guess I needed to. I just figured they would get it done. But not encouraging. So I, I moved them down. That's, I mean, even more information to move them down with Quentin Ewers if that's how they looked. I was kind of doing it just based off of even when he comes back. I don't know. So I, I moved Ohio State to seven. Not, you know, it's Michigan State. Marvin Harrison is your team. Marvin Harrison is incredible. Three first half touchdowns, one rushing, two receiving. Uh, he's one of the best college receivers I've ever seen, but I mm, mm-hmm. I don't know about the rest of the team. Like I'm just like I don't know. So I like they were eight before. I had them behind Texas last week to be clear. So I have to show them some respect. Ohio State is moving up, but they're not moving ahead of Alabama. Alabama's still better than they are. Alabama's at my sixth spot, so Ohio State's at seven. Uh, Oregon five, still to me the best one loss team. Um, you know, didn't pull all the way away from a USC team that is obviously, as we know, capable of scoring points. Um, but they got the win, which is like it's we are in late November now, soon. Just win. 
the, like that if we're when we're talking about either one loss or undefeated teams it's mm-hmm. only going to matter so much how you won because there's only going to be so many standing i think if we're talking about a bunch of one losses then that's a different story but you just want to be the you know the one loss team or the zero loss team standing right so Oregon at my five I got Michigan. About to say, when I get a second, I'm gonna give you my dream scenario. Um, well, I'll, I'll wrap it. It's Michigan at four. Um, yep. Unimpressive against Penn State. Like JJ McCarthy. Who whose Heisman is that? Whose Heisman candidate? Like what? Why? Why are y'all making Vegas make odds for him to be somewhat of a favorite? They might have changed now, but before that game, Vegas had to seriously make take that seriously so that's over with but therefore I, mean, I thought winning a game without throwing a pass in the second half is impressive i'm it's impressive Penn because, State of itself isn't impressive yeah no but yeah that says a lot about their ability to just run the ball and play defense but again can you do that against an actual offense um because it's one thing when you know the team you're playing doesn't have an offense Right, their defense is good, but they can't score. So we just gotta get them a couple times. The defense will eventually get tired. We'll get a couple plays that break on them, boom, um, and we'll get some turnovers. Well, good news for them. Outside of maybe Maryland, they don't have an offense left on the schedule. Yeah, I mean Maryland. Look, don't sleep on that game. They're not gonna. I will never fall for the trap of actually thinking Maryland's going to beat Michigan. They will always keep it close, though. So I expect that game to be close. Maybe you'll see them tested. Tua's brother will. Um, I guess he I don't know if he's played better than Tua yet. Tua hasn't lit the world on fire, but I think he's still Tua's brother at this point. Mm-hmm. Um but they may you know, they they might they might keep that one close. Uh I put Florida State at my three. So I, I think Florida State was four mm-hmm. before I moved them up. Um uh, I will push back and say the Miami team, their team is good. Their quarterback situation is a mess. They have uh talent everywhere else their defense is really good their d-line's amazing they have some receivers they they're not the best they're obviously not florida state's level but i think what that game showed was and again rivalry games maybe you you know you kind of throw that record out that whole cliche but i think we've kind of seen miami's whole thing this season is like if you could just not turn the ball over 12 times quarterback we could it just it looks a lot different these games and um so for Florida State you know to win that rivalry game it was ugly it was an emotional type of like that whole old school Florida Miami like just win by any means necessary you knew it was going to be that when the first kick of the game was a wide left I was like don't say it announcer don't do it don't say it, but you know it's Florida, Florida, Miami State. I mean, Florida State, Miami. Um, that that game is always fun for me, and I'm glad that Florida kept. I mean, Miami kept it close despite having a quarterback that was the backup that was meh, and then they had to go to Van Dyke at the end of the game, and then he throws the pick, the thing he's been doing all season. So, I I put yeah. Florida State three, and my two is Washington, who. Who saw the Utah shootout coming? But Utah said we also have an offense, even without Cam Rising. So Washington had to find a different way to win that game. Uh, they were able they had to had a had a first half offense. Yeah, they were able to put point. Yeah, that's true, Utah. But you know, even that was impressive enough. Um, yeah. But well, yeah, Washington also didn't do any second half much of anything either. It was kind of just they got to thirty five twenty eight and just chilled. 
but just finding a way to win that game against a Utah team that always finds a way to win a game. Utah's like, you think yep. we're going to try to muck it up and get physical? Nah, we're here for a shootout, baby. Just caught them off guard. So Washington winning that game. Michael Penix continues to lead that team. Their receivers are incredible. Jalen Polk and Romo and Rome and Duze are just two NFL players mm-hmm. running wild mm-hmm. in secondaries. Um, and then Georgia, number one. Like Georgia, just uh, as I have mentioned, I think every week on this podcast, or not every week, but I did a whole thing about when the games matter, they will show up and they will blow the doors off of teams because they're not going to get up for Vanderbilt. Sorry, they're not going to get up for you know some of these teams. Just like whatever, we're going to beat y'all, just whatever. But when it's yo top ten opponent, here comes Lane, here comes Ole Miss, the whole whole fifty two. Like here's 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 our best offensive explosion. Here's the lowest amount of points Ole Miss has scored all year. Brock Bowers is back. Lad McConkey just gets his white boy slot powers back when Brock Bowers comes back. They just power up the closer they are together. So <laughs> gets like that Hunter Renfro on. Yeah, that team's not going to be stopped in my opinion any time. Like I just I don't I don't see the team that's beating them. I could see. I want to hear your dream scenario, but I don't see who's beating Georgia. Yeah, I've, I'm done with my my Nick picking of Georgia. Georgia's clearly the number one team. They they've been impressive. They get up yeah. for these big games and they show why there's a difference, why they're number one. Yeah, they, I mean, they they know they know what they're playing for, right? They know big games, put them away. <clears throat> um, but yeah, what's your what is your dream scenario? Because I I guess I should I haven't really thought of who I think could give George. It would for me, it's like who gives Georgia the best test. But what's your dream scenario? So my dream scenario, to be clear, is maximum chaos at this point. I'm because of everything up to the committee, I'm just I'm frustrated. So I yeah. think in order to cause maximum chaos, Texas has to win out. Yep. And Alabama has to win out, which means Alabama beats Georgia yep. in the SC championship. Right. That also means the winner of Michigan and Ohio State loses to Iowa in the Big Ten champion. I could see Michigan doing that. Florida State needs to win out, and then Washington needs to lose to Oregon. And in that scenario, you have a three-loss, three or four-loss Big Ten champion, Mm -hmm. a one-loss Ohio State, a Mm -hmm. one-loss Michigan, Mm -hmm. a one-loss Georgia, Mm -hmm. a one-loss SEC champ in Alabama, Mm -hmm. a one-loss Big 12 champion in Texas, Texas, Mm -hmm. undefeated Florida State, yeah. And then Oregon and Washington who beat each other and yeah. haven't lost another game. Yeah. So who who are the four? That who are the four? The old like the hardest part of that scenario. Like all of that is conceivable until you realize, oh my God, Iowa has to win. <laughs> That's when it's like, yeah. oh no. Oh dear God. But let's say that does happen, then who Okay, so I think it would be if absolutely... Michigan or Ohio State loses their starting quarterback, both of those teams could lose to Iowa. Oh yeah, even if JJ McCarthy is playing, they could lose. I don't respect JJ McCarthy, <laughs> so like they could absolutely lose. But um, they, don't wish so, injuring anybody. So, Just so, saying. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So let's say uh, so undefeated Florida State has to get in. This that yeah. we're that is stupid. If we're not if we're not doing that, then we're just being stupid. 
So that's one slot. And one loss would face not in contention. You know, if they lose loses, to Louisville, they're out. Loses to Louisville, they would be out. So we're assuming that they went out. They're in. Boom. The next three slots. It is probably number one. Uh, they should be if we're talking about everyone scenario. else has lost and they are the only team in a in a power five conference on the V. Yeah, they they would be number one overall. Then we'd be talking about the next three. I think at that point, you would have to look and say the best one loss team is still Georgia. Because their one loss would be in an extra game because they made their conference champion to a mm-hmm. top 10 team in Alabama, assuming they don't get blown out, which that hasn't. When's the last time George has been blown out? Um, like, assuming it's a close game and they lose, they would be the best one loss team. The weird transitive property thing would be Texas's one victory is at Alabama, which is maybe the most mm-hmm. impressive victory of the season when you consider no one has won no out of conference opponents gone to Alabama won that whole thing like that going to Tuscaloosa that early doing that might be as we speak today the most impressive win in college football so unless that... the committee says hey that that's a different Alabama team sure. than this team that beat Georgia so then maybe they slight Texas and also kind of look and say your loss is also against an Oklahoma team who, you know, we have less respect for than we had. There may be still fine, but especially after Oklahoma State gets beat down, dog walked, (laughs) molly by Space Night Central Florida at John Rice Plumley, 45 to freaking three. When that happens, and that's the Oklahoma team. I know last bad loan rivalry game, right? Throw the record out, blah, blah, blah. But, dude, that one, I don't know. Like, both now Oklahoma and Oklahoma State just kind of look like good teams, but not not anywhere near this playoff conversation. So I wonder if they would look I guess at Texas. I'm the previous record holder of dead money payouts it, by university. Yeah. So I wonder if Free Jimbo. I think he was twenty one something, if I'm not yep. mistaken, twenty one million and Jimbo's at uh obviously seventy five. Seventy six and the one time payment will be at twenty four, like I said, or whatever I said. Um but yeah, dude. So that okay. Then maybe Texas gets a eh, eh, I don't know. Maybe they do that to Texas. Um they're going to want one of Michigan or Ohio State to get in. If Michigan loses to Iowa, that's not happening. Do they somehow try and make Ohio State the team that gets, like, the four spot? Uh, so then we're talking, okay, Florida State, I think Georgia. Does yeah, Ohio, that would be, that would be or, no, Florida chaos. State. Florida, Michigan... State, Florida State one, Georgia two. Michigan loses to Iowa. Does Ohio State somehow get a four? And then do they put either Washington or Oregon at the three? And no, Alabama, you don't get in. Sorry. Uh, Texas, would they sleep on? Like, I could see Yeah, it. that'd be interesting. I, and I could see if Ohio State sits high enough in the rankings that if they lose 
and only drop to like four or five and then enough chaos plays out that they would just naturally move up to a four slot and then you know Oregon would jump to three for beating Washington and then you get one loss Georgia because they had an extra game you're not going to punish them for making the SEC championship and losing to Bama you would get Florida State at the one so Florida State won Georgia two with their mm-hmm. one loss you would put Wash, you know, Oregon, if Washington wins out, then they're undefeated. So obviously it's a different conversation. But if we're saying Oregon wins out, Oregon would probably get that three spot. And then you would probably say Ohio one State would get the one loss. Ohio State would get the, the one one loss at large Big Ten Ohio State for the four. Because you can't put a you lost to Iowa Michigan team in there. You just can't do that. Maybe you go one loss Washington over one loss Ohio State because, but like that's the chaos that you're talking about, and that those yeah. at that point it would depend on like okay how did Ohio State look in the Michigan game? How did Washington look against look against Oregon? Like a lot of those things we can't call now because we need to see it. But th- that scenario isn't that crazy minus the uh, Iowa beating one of either Ohio State or Michigan. That part seems I mean, I think they're gonna have to have a tough time. I know you 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 dated it from the jump, but I think it'll be difficult to not include a one loss SEC champ. That's Alabama more or less in favor of an at large two at large teams. So you would think Georgia and Alabama. Is there a scenario you could see both of them getting in? Alabama wins out. Georgia's one loss to Bama. They somehow both get in. I think it depends on the margin of victory. So if in a close game, three three points, Alabama wins by a field goal in the fourth quarter, close game. No, I'm not even talking about them. I'm talking about the other uh, games. The other games. So what if what if Michigan blows the doors off Ohio State? And they get shut out against Iowa. Or if Michigan be beats wild. Ohio State close and they get shut out by Iowa. Yeah, then I'm taking whichever Both of those team create problems. Which, whichever team looks bad against Iowa, you're not allowed in my playoff. Like I can't speak for the committee. <laughs> Just but if you look bad against Iowa, get out of here. I don't want to watch you against anybody. So that would just be where I stand. But, um, but if Alabama blows out Georgia, I think I think they would have to be in. That's a different story. If Al, that's Alabama's ticket in because beating them doesn't necessarily guarantee it, though it would be tough. Blowing them out guarantees it. If they if they show to be a better team than Georgia, for I guess a game, I don't you know. But then I could also see them saying Georgia's still getting in, and maybe we see that rematch and let's see who's really better type of thing. So and then Texas will be like, "Hello, what do you mean? We we beat we should Alabama because be we beat this Alabama team." Yeah, and but no, I, Georgia should be out. So Texas is key. The problem with Texas is they're Big Twelve. They're going to play Kansas now, maybe, and maybe Oklahoma State. So maybe Oklahoma finds their way. I don't know, but their Big Twelve championship victory isn't going to look as good against some of the, all the other ones, like uh, beating Kansas. Or what? Is, let me see what the standings are now, because like, I, I really hope we get something close to this. This would be amazing. This would be great because it would also be the best television to tune in that night to see what the rankings unveil if all of this were to play out. But right now, Oklahoma State still with their two losses is above Oklahoma because they also went and lost twice. 
Um, so, but also, you know, who said this is wild, like same record, same record in the big 12, Oklahoma state, Oklahoma, Iowa state, Kansas state, they're all five and two. Now, I don't know what would all have to happen for any of this to happen, but like Texas beating, I mean, none of the, I mean, Oklahoma, maybe like the committee might respect it more if Oklahoma just kind of looks better from now until a big championship, 12 championship, but it's just not as impressive. Also like beating Iowa is not impressive either, which is why I don't give any, like the big 10 champ can't lose to I, I mean, well, you obviously wouldn't be the champ. You can't lose to Iowa. But that just is not. You can't have it. So Big Twelve, yeah. I just I, and Iowa's I, not in. Iowa can't can't yeah, go. Yeah, Iowa can't regardless. go. Regardless. So right now, the Big Ten. I mean, the committee has Texas over Alabama. So you would have to assume, unless like, I mean, Alabama could jump Texas because of problem, the, the win. Though. The win over Georgia could just be enough to jump them. And yes, Texas would still be sitting there like. We beat Alabama, and we also won our conference championship. So, yeah, what, what is? This? And to your point, a win over Georgia would be the best win of any team. Yeah, if that's that's the that's the problem. Right now, Texas has the claim maybe to the best win, but then if Alabama beats Georgia, they would then have the claim to the best win and be SEC champs. And the, it would be the whole timing thing. They lost early or enough. If Washington beats Oregon twice. Yeah, I mean, then that that would that, be impressive. Yeah, that that's that. Then we can have a discussion of like number one overall seed. Should it be Washington? Should it be uh, Georgia? Um, just because or Florida State. Yeah, or if, I mean, I'm, I'm, if we're if they're all undefeated, like if Washington's yeah, undefeated, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, like, but yeah, Florida State gets the number one seed if if obviously if there's a one loss. I don't think there's a world where there's other undefeateds and Florida State get, get Florida State gets a number one. Right, just because, like, that's yeah, no, like the the yeah, I was talking about in my bizarre award scenario. Yeah, the only, I guess it, it could happen. Florida State and Washington. Yeah, Florida State could get a number one seed if Washington is the only other undefeated. Right, if if Michigan were to lose to Iowa but beat Ohio State and Georgia loses to Alabama, then yeah, you could get Florida State undefeated, Washington undefeated, and then a whole different story. But that I feel like it, you know, not feel like it almost always sorts itself out. And why I'm saying it this year is because there's a your this scenario depends on Iowa beating a team. And that that right there is where I stop and said my suspensive disbelief can't happen. Uh but prove me wrong. I Iowa, Bobby Petrino is available. His office didn't look good. No, it doesn't. But Bobby Petrino needs <laughs> needs a job. Yeah. Bring right him on. now. Bring him on now. Bring him on now. Or go hire Connor the Stallions. He he will know something about how to beat Michigan. For sure, but he would right. never turn. He would never turn on the family. He's not talking to no one. Uh, all right, quick Heisman talk. Like this is a quick, very quick. Jane Daniels is the Heisman winner until uh, something crazy happens. I don't care what the record is. Like he had six hundred yards of offense. He broke a SEC record. Insert the uh, Vince Carter me. It's over. He, yeah, it's over. He he did the Heisman pose on the sideline, so like he knows what time it is. It, uh, we all like this. It's over now. Like this thing. I, I know that. I, I don't even have to check the odds. I'm sure he's the favorite now. Um, welcome to the party, everyone else. Way, 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 way later. Uh, it only took a 600 yard performance. Sorry, the other 300 and 400 yard games weren't doing it for you guys, but he's only been doing this every week. So he's the Heisman front runner. Michael Penix Jr. is the runner up right now. 
Bo Nix would be my third place. Marma Harrison Jr. fourth. That's the conversation. There are no other names. I think, other other people I think are we're cool. saying, <laughs> well, whatever. What, what do you? Got? I think we're saying he can have it. Like I think we're saying it's over. Like, nah, like yeah, like, like, the, like yeah, like yeah. Like the won. only way he doesn't win is he decides that he's not playing. Now he keeps getting hit super hard, so it's not ruled out that he won't. But unless he's not appearing in games. As long as he's playing, we are. It's just like a given what he's gonna do when he plays. So if he suits up, he's in. The only way he loses is by not playing, and Michael Penix Jr. goes undefeated and beats Oregon, and like that. That then okay. Then then you know you might lose in that one, kid. Be, you know you didn't play, but if he's playing, he's winning. So this is you uh, only it, see stats like that in video games. Yeah, only it's 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 him. It's Johnny Manziel, it's Tim Tebow, Cam Newton, just in terms of like stat lines that look like that. And none of them did what he did on Saturday. Amongst SEC quarterbacks, those are the only types of names that you have that in. Like I said, he's having Joe Burrow's type of season, but with a running dynamic that wasn't there. Like, I don't know how, how many names need to be invoked, but still, people just this week were like, hey, that guy, pretty good. Maybe he could win the Heisman. So, but there's only four names. Like that's there's that I don't anybody else that you're throwing out there is just like because you like that person and you want them to win an award or go to New York or whatever. But there shouldn't be any other names right now other than Jay Daniels, Michael Penix, Paul Nix, Marvin Harrison Jr. That's it. There, there's that the conversation needs to be really closed at this point because otherwise, again, what are we doing? We're just watering it down. If in week eleven or twelve. You want to throw somebody out there who we have not been talking about this whole time. Like that's, that's what the Maxwell is for, guys. Yeah, there are other awards and a lot of them. And there are awards by conference. Like there are so many awards. Just there's only one Heisman. And Jane Daniels is the winner right now. So just we could win the team MVP award. We could I don't stop, know there's a, there's a team banquet. Yeah, we could stop having conversations about Heisman unless something absolutely. I don't think Jacob McCarthy is even the team MVP though. No, it's Blake Corum or Donovan <laughs> Edwards or any of their defensive players. Like it's not, yeah. it's not JJ McCarthy. So it is what it is. Um, Kings of Florida, real quick. Florida State, ten and zero. Super, super, super impressive season they've had. Just you know, I feel like they're the underrated, uh, undefeated team in this whole class. But them, FAMU nine and one, Miami six and four. Oh Mario, five and five Florida, five and five UCF, four and six FIU, four and six FIU, five and five Florida uh, South Florida. So move South Florida up a little bit there. Bethune Cookman won another game, three and seven Bethune Cookman. Uh, Virginia, we already know JMU and Liberty, best two teams in the state. Good teams win, great teams cover. These two every weekend. Uh, William and Marys, uh, they they shouldn't be that high. Richmond seven and three. Then you got William and Mary five and five. You got Hampton five and five. Um, ODU four and four. I'm sorry, Virginia Tech got to five as five as well. ODU four. They quietly always get their 500 or better season, right? They went up to Boston College and got a win that you know nobody really pays attention to. But it's how Virginia Tech gets seven or eight. You know those seven seven wins every year at least. That's how. Uh, ODU four and four. VMI four and six. Norfolk three and seven. Virginia two and Eight. Um, I do want to take just a moment since I said Virginia, this is uh, the one year anniversary of the shooting that uh, claimed the life of Lavelle Davis Jr., Devin Chandler, and Deshaun Perry. 
Um, so just wanted to, again, give you know, recognition to them, their family, the Virginia football family, yeah. Tony Elliott, the job that he's been doing, again, it's been bigger than football. Um, it's been amazing that they've competed, gotten better, developed, been in, you know, even, you know, took, taken the field and had this season considering the off season and everything that they had gone through the past 365 days. So just wanted to take a moment to recognize um, those three young men and, and the team and just the, the, their family in the greater Virginia football and, and uh, community down there. Yep. So, Condolences yep. um, also the University of Houston they lost three four months this weekend in the car. Yeah. Um, Including uh, DJ Hayden. DJ Hayden. Yep. He was uh, Raiders' yep. first round pick. So, um, you know, he played about eight or I think he, he played in the league as recently as 2021. Or, so he was in the league quite a while. Successful career. Really good in college. Um, yeah, really, really sad story there. So good good note there. Condolences to them um, as well. And also Virginia um, was playing in their game this week. Paris Johnson um, was in a, you know, a, 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 a running back for them. Really scary collision against their game on Louisville. Um, signs are he's doing much better. Ex- movements and extremities. Yeah. It's, it's good progress. But just, you know, on top, like I said, on top of what they're going through and then that moment, just those, you know, scary collisions there um, are always tough to see. But just, again, considering what that program had gone through, I just couldn't, I just could not believe. It's like, they've just been through so much, this team. So, again, um, just condolence, you know, condolences for what who they've lost and, and support and prayers for Paris Johnson uh, and his recovery and, and just for the team. Uh, you know, keep keep fighting and finish the year. Finish the year out strong. Um, you know, that's that's a testament to just a group of you know great group of young men down there. Um, yeah. No, no yeah. easy, no easy transition. That was you know Virginia did play during the weeknight. Um, the only other thing, we had directional Michigan almost, rivalry. Almost got a win. They they did. They played Louisville tight, man. They were in that game. Again, that moment was a, a weird, you know, kind of, you know, obviously stopped the game for a while. It was, it was just a real kind of weird moment. It was a turnover play. It was just, it was a, it was a weird, uh, you know, just the ending to that game and a game that was really well played, tightly contested up until that point. Thought they might have a chance for the upset there. Um, but yeah, close game. Louisville pulls it off though, so they get to you know stay on that fringe, yeah, stay just, in the ACC picture. They couple just, missed they tackles. Yeah, they just but they're, in, they're in these games, man, which I love to see because if you saw how it started, like I, I've been closely watching all their. I, I mean, I've really watched all their games at this point, and you see how it started to how it's going now to just to be in the games with the top of the ACC type of teams with the UNCs and Louisville and like. It's impressive, man. So I, I, yeah. I, I, I like they, the direction. They, they, they clearly believe. Yeah, they I believe. like the direction. They think they're going to sure. win every game. Yeah, so that that bodes well for a program that you're trying to build up again for Tony Elliott and that school, which is trying to avoid, you know, kind of going the other direction. Stick with Tony Elliott. Like if if he can pull through this to get to get these results and these times and this adversity, um, just imagine, you know, what kind of a normal or a regular season can can look like and just give him time so I, I definitely believe in what they're doing as well um other than that weeknight i just directional directional michigan rivalries where you got eastern michigan central michigan western michigan um there is a trophy that they all play for i think it's like the michigan mac trophy since they're all in the mac um 
I, I don't know if anybody won it this year. I think it was on the Central Michigan upset by Western Michigan. Uh, there's a cannon on the line. I think that's what the can they had. The trophy was the the victory cannon, which is a Mac Michigan trophy. Um, so Central Michigan by getting the upset, I believe they won that. So shout out to you, Central Michigan. Maybe Connor the Stallions was feeding you guys information. Maybe he wasn't. I don't know. But shout out to Central like Michigan. They were in on him. <laughs> I know they yeah. gave him a polo and a and a badge. Yeah, they were probably he like here you go. out of nowhere. Yeah, here you go. Because all of a sudden, like Central Michigan, go look at their record. It's not great, but somehow they managed to beat all the Michigan schools. Very interesting. Um, so you should know all these trophies uh, from the NCAA video games. You should yeah. try to collect them. Oh, I used to have them all, and I used to be able to tell almost tell you. There's some I could still do, but I used to be able to tell you. You could ask me a rivalry. I'd be like, "That's the Apple Cup they play for." Yeah, you know, watch, yep. watch the watches state. That's the that's uh, the, that's the, the golden the, golden the, the old the old the brass platoon. That's Michigan State and uh, Indiana. I think the brass platoon potentially, if I'm getting that one right. But yeah, like, dude, I love these trophies. I saw I have a note about trophies that I saw. I'll just say it now just in case I miss it. One was just like a, a corn stalk, just like a couple stalks of corn on a trophy. It was I, I want to say Ball State. Um, yeah, it was Ball State and uh, Southern Illinois. They played for a trophy that was just like several corn stalks. And if you didn't know what it was, you would have <laughs> no idea what that was. Speaking of other things that if you didn't know what they were, I've talked about this, this tire. I don't know what's going on with tires in college football. This is a different school with a car tire. This one came out in the Akron game. Their team was down 19 to nothing, uh, but they got a turnover. And with like three minutes left in the fourth quarter, uh, they would have needed to have scored three more times to tie it. Uh, they, The guy who got the turnover, very despondent, wasn't really happy, obviously got a turnover, but we're losing 19 to nothing. Doesn't seem like we're going to win. He had to go over to the sideline and, of course, the strength and conditioning coach, whose job it is to just get hype no matter what, came over and donned him with a turnover tire. Just put a car tire around his neck, <laughs> down 19 to nothing, losing on a Tuesday in Akron to I don't even remember who, but just the saddest thing I've ever seen. So we enough, <laughs> enough with the car tire, <laughs> just enough. It's unnecessary. We, it just, we literally don't need it. We don't get the message either is the other part. I don't, I'm not in on whatever it is. Um, all right, let's get to the games. HBCU game of the week. I watched Morgan State. There were a lot of good ones this week. This is a great weekend for uh, HBCU games. Morgan State, South Carolina State, a lot of rain, bit of a rainstorm. Uh, South Carolina got that victory, so that was a great game. Uh, as I said, JMU covers spreads all the time. They beat – UConn, the spread was like 25 and a half. They said, no problem. We got that. They scored like 40 something points. Uh, so that was, that was what they do. Uh, Memphis, they are always in a game that is 48 to 45, 40. Like their games are always high score. They play basketball games in their football games every year for like the past going back to Paxton Lynch days. I feel like they just score a lot of points, but they will also let you score a lot of points. Uh, so they they were in a 44-38 shootout this week. I just wanted to note that. Just if you ever see Memphis, if there's an over under, probably take the over because they score a lot and they don't let they don't care. You could score too. It's cool. Um, Colorado lost again, unfortunately to Arizona. Arizona's kind of been on a hot Another streak. Another nail biter. Yeah, they were in a close one. Arizona's been on a hot streak. Um, Dion's post game 
uh, presser a lot, a lot better in tone in terms of encouragement. We're right there. We're close as opposed to, I need to get everyone out of this locker room immediately and bring in new players. I think that's probably a better message right now, since you can't, like I said, can't do it in the middle of the season, maybe just get them to buy in a little bit. So saying that they're close, yeah. which is true. Yeah. That's probably a better approach. You probably also see <laughs> the eligibility now at risk. He yeah. needs to get another win. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, Oh damn. Come on now. Uh, so yeah, they need to get a win and it's not all the games that they're in for the rest of the season are going to be tough. Um, so there'll be more fights throughout the rest of the year. Uh, 12 o'clock window, Maryland, Nebraska. This was the winnable game bowl for both of these teams. Both of these teams needed this. So that was a big win for Maryland. Uh, Matt rule, the program builder, that would have been a good one to get the sixth win. So they're at, I think like five and four now, but they'll get their bowling. Mark Laxley or Mike Laxley, sorry, is continuing to get bowl eligibility with Maryland doing what he does. I think they'll keep it close with Michigan this week. Not not going to win, but I want to see that spread. Might put some on, on Maryland. Um, maybe just the first half spread, though, because they tend to blow it the other uh, half of the game. Boston College, Virginia Tech. I mentioned that quickly. This is how Virginia Tech gets their you know, seven-win season. They go and win those games. Boston College is quietly seven and three, uh, and they still – or six and three, so they're looking to get to seven and three. Uh, but they still couldn't beat Virginia Tech. So, again, this is Virginia Tech won't, will only fall so far. They're not going to completely fizzle out. That's another Boston example. Boston College also a pretty fun team to watch. They are. For what they, it's worth. they are. They are. They definitely are. And that was not a bad game to watch either. That was a, that was a pretty entertaining game. Uh, we had Bama blow the brakes out off of uh, Kentucky. Just that wasn't. That was the type of game that Nick Saban ensures we will not take lightly. We will not sleepwalk through these. That's the Nick Saban special. That's the Nick Saban special where he's like, I heard Kentucky says something about your mom before they go and kick the ball off. So they went and, and did what they do. Um, keep it now, Jalen Miro, if you put up these six touchdown games, you might have something to talk about in a couple weeks. I mean, if Marvin Harrison doesn't keep putting up three touchdown games, maybe he could take his spot. But, I mean, he could – yeah. I mean, I want to see his stats kind of like next to Bo Nix. I guess the difference is Bo Nix, slightly tougher competition and has been doing yeah. it for longer. But to your point, also Jalen Monroe had to sit for a game, which I heard something that I don't know if true or not, but it's a great narrative or great something to believe, which was that Nick Saban intentionally let uh, Tommy Reese's guy go out there and fail. So he could prove, okay, we're done messing around with this guy now. Right, we're gonna we're gonna play Jalen Milro now. All right, we're gonna do it my way. So I don't know if I that's heard something true or not. similar. I heard it was like a, a motivational <laughs> tactic. Yeah, because well, Jalen Milro wasn't doing all of the little things needed him to do. Sure. Okay. So there's another like, one. He wasn't even the backup. Like he was like the third. Yeah, he was the third. He, he was the emergency. Out. Yeah, he was the emergency quarterback. All right. Well, that's so even better. Like to, to send a message to him, like we need you to be more of a leader. We need you to do the little things. But either way, like he's he's responded. Yeah, well, there's smoke, there's fire. So if I'm if I'm hearing that there's uh, something else behind it other than they just didn't believe in him, well, it worked obviously. So he wasn't talented. Yeah, yeah, he's good. So it wasn't that. Um, so way to go there. Um, Texas Tech at Kansas. Uh, I took Texas Tech with. I had a great, great, great betting weekend this week. I got to tell you this. It it takes it takes a lot of losing and L's throughout the season to build the knowledge. But once you have it, you can you can clean up on the back end. So I was seeing the board well. This was a classic letdown game for Kansas. 
Texas Tech has been a solid team all year. It just took them with the points. Didn't know that they're necessarily going to win. But then they knocked the bean out. They knocked out the bean. the bean. So without the bean, Kansas can't win. So they're just, you know, tough quarterback times for Kansas. Jalen Daniels is like, see, that's why I chill over here on the sideline where it's safe. And uh, the bean got knocked out. Is, is and... he playing the rest of the season? No, 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 no. I don't think that for the year. No, yeah. I mean, I think he like maybe you'll see him again, but I I thought I heard like a couple weeks after he started missing games, like he's shutting it down for the year. And I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. I don't, I'm not questioning his toughness. I'm not questioning his toughness. I'm legitimately calling him one of the smarter people in college football. He's like, I'm not running out there getting hit for free. I'm good. Thank you. Um, but yeah, you see what Jimbo got? Nah, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I'm gonna take these hits. My coach, Lance Leopold, who I made a little bit of some of the money he's about to get in part, I'm not getting none of that anyway. Um, yeah, they didn't have the bean, they couldn't win. Sorry, Kansas. But you're still in the race because all the Big 12 schools that aren't Texas, like nobody really wants to play them, apparently. They just keep positioning themselves to not play Texas. Uh, and then we have Michigan, Penn State. That game, I mean, God, had to pay attention to it because it was important. But I, it stunk. It was not a good game. It was not fun to watch. Just Penn State doing what, what we know that they're going to do and thinking it's going to work. And Michigan not even having Michigan like little brothered Penn State where you just hold their head far enough away with your arm while they swing relentlessly. It was just like we don't even have to, like you said, sat on the second half, didn't even have to pass it. At no point were they worried, oh, no, Penn State might beat us. It was just an important game, but a dull, just like if you're a Penn State, every time they show the, the fans, they're all like, this sucks. Like this, this sucks. And I feel for the defense. Because their defense is yeah. very good. And like I said, they just very, need, very they need to meld with like Notre Dame and they need UNC. Like they need the Avengers style ACC offense where they're allowed for every team or no Big Ten team. Like for every Big Ten team they beat, they get to steal one of their offensive players to try to create a better offensive unit on Penn State. So like they can, who'd they beat? Who's the best quarterback they beat? Probably no one even good. Or maybe the West Virginia quarterback's good. I don't even know. Uh, there, I, I like I said, I won't talk about Penn State no more. I'm saying all the little brother stuff aside that I agree with. It also felt like Penn State was maybe five completions and five first downs away from winning the game. They were they were there for the entire. They just executing that matter. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree, but I guess I, I, my disrespect for them is so much so that that like just five completions and a couple first downs, like for a regular, for a regular football team is like, yeah, 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 that's, you can totally do that. But for Penn State, just watching how they play, it's just like, again, watching that, it was like, Michigan is in no real danger here. This team can't, this team just won't, they won't do it. They will let their running back throw the ball further down the field than they let their quarterback. They just won't do it. It's bizarre. Um, but, yeah, that's maybe the last you will hear from Penn State on this podcast this year because they won't play in any other – until bowl season, they won't play in any other game I'll be paying attention to. Yeah, they're going to be 10-2 again, and they'll play around New Year. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um. I already talked about UFC, UFC on Space Night. They went crazy. Those jerseys were pretty cool. Uh, Auburn 
blew the doors off of Arkansas, which that's the Arkansas team I know. That's that's that that's the Arkansas team I thought was about to play Florida last week. Um, they, oh, I don't. Arkansas is like Arkansas, every other the week team, team that never was. Yeah, the team that never was. Man. Yeah, they. I've had to have so much untapped potential. They show it every now and again. That's the most frustrating part. They'll do the Florida game, or they'll do so. They'll do some where you're like, look at that, and then the next game it's like, oh no, they forgot how to score. Oh no. Um. But still, I think KJ Jefferson should could be in the NFL. Like I'm not saying he's a starter, yeah. but I, I think he should. He has the skill set to be developed into an NFL quarterback. Don't let this terrible uh, Arkansasness turn you away, from NFL GMs, from you know taking a chance on him. That's all. Um, also, big win for Syracuse. I see some Jacoby Brissett, like a, a long time backup. Sure. Yeah. Like, like he can, he can play. Start, emerge start if you need to yeah. and win some he's games. A, he's an yeah. NFL, NFL quarterback. Like that's like, I'm, I, I don't try to do a, just in the general sense. Like I'm not, I I can just look at somebody and I can tell you if they have the skill set to play. I remember when people were asking me, I mean, maybe more people knew, but Jalen hurts uh, when he, when he went to Oklahoma or maybe even before it's like, yes, that's absolutely not. I don't know how good he'll be, but yes, that's an NFL quarterback. Like there, you not know how few people have skill set to be NFL quarterback. Like there are just a few of them. So like he has that, he will be in the NFL. I'm not, can't speak to the success or how long or whatever, but that's an NFL quarterback. And I think the better the situation, obviously the better, but that's an NFL quarterback. Uh, Big win for Syracuse and Pittsburgh uh, over Pittsburgh for Dino. Every win counts. Uh, bowl eligibility is always good. I don't need to see another brother get fired for no reason. So everyone counts there. Uh, Wisconsin, things are really, 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 really not going how they thought they would with Luke Fickle. Um, t- still probably a good hire, but they can't even beat Northwestern. So that is concerning. Like that's regression. Uh, uh, Wisconsin would always getting better. Wisconsin would always be, uh, you know, Northwestern and some of these teams that they're not losing to. Like the big, the, the thing was they couldn't beat Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State, and uh, okay, but now like that is at no point was beating Northwestern a challenge. So this is a problem. Penn State, pay attention. This is this is a problem. Um, we got. Uh, NC State at Howard. This was a great uh, North Carolina Central. Sorry, at Howard. Howard uh, played spoiler at home on a beautiful afternoon in DC. I don't know if you're still there Saturday. Were you there Saturday at this time? Uh, what time was it? It was like two, three o'clock ish kickoff. Just like two just in the afternoon, just leaving. It was a beautiful day. It huh? was beautiful. Beautiful day. Yeah. Um, they beat North Carolina Central, who was the top ranked um, HBCU. Big implications for the Celebration Bowl there. Um, you know, birthrights on the line. So Howard got a, a very big win for them. Uh, that's one of the best. I don't watch Howard play a lot, but that's one of the best football games I've seen Howard play when I have watched them. So super uh, impressive victory for the Bison. Uh, Rutgers at Iowa for the nasty, nasty underball, which I took easy money. I was watching this game um, with, you know, you know, Gabby was here, sister came over, her boyfriend was here, so we're here kicking it. So I got to tell people about here's what we're rooting for since you guys don't have real, you know, real rooting. Actually, he was a Georgia fan, but other than rooting that. Rooting interest. Yeah, other than that, no real rooting interest. So I was like, here's what we got. 
Uh, I'm telling him about, I'm going to teach you the beauty of rooting for the Iowa under. You turn this game on here in this little (laughs) side TV, you leave it on, and nothing happens. And at the end of the game, you turn over and look, and nothing has happened, and you just collect your money because no matter how low Vegas wants to put that number, I take the under every time. Last week, they played, or two weeks ago, historic under of 31.5 of Northwestern at Wrigley. They went under that. Vegas said, not again. You're not going to catch us again. They set the over-under at 27 and a half. I said, get the hell out of here. Give me that under. I, I thought the score would be like 9 to 3, 10, 7, something like that. Um, Iowa almost got there on their own. They scored 20. Yeah, they took 20, a knee, didn't they? they? Yeah, at the very end, they were up. They got the first down right in front of the goal line. Uh-huh. I, was, I actually had to sweat out an Iowa under, but – they, I mean, you know, they still do it. They get the first down just how you want, three yards out from the end zone, kneel it out, donezo. Um, and I was nervous also because I was like, is he going to try to get his 25 damn point for game just to, like, rub it in on the way out, show I can score 25 points? But, um, yeah, that was just fun. Just, just you know, it w- it's only fun when you do that. But I just knew, you know, we wanted Rutgers to – save us from Iowa and Rutgers is too busy trying to be Iowa to like become Iowa to save us from Iowa. I told you they're East coast, Iowa, Greg Shiano, please don't become that. Just don't, you can do better. Um, Next game, Tennessee, Missouri, Missouri's good. Tennessee's a little overrated, but I could see them jumping up in the rankings for the win. But Tennessee's defense is good. Their offense just isn't, but I, I, Missouri is a good team. Like they have given Georgia their closest. Like now you see what Georgia did to Ole Miss. Missouri has given Georgia their closest test. Um, so I, yeah. you know, I think Missouri is yeah. a, a quality team. So they got a good win there. Florida State, Miami. We talked about it already. I thought the backup quarterback before the game for Miami would give them a better chance. Turned out he did. Um, just wasn't enough. Florida State rivalry game always. No matter what the record, get that get that victory. We talked about it too. Utah's offense showed up all of a sudden, but Washington still got the dub. Um, I guess there could be some concern about Washington's defense in the long run. I feel like that's why I kind of favor Oregon in a rematch is because I just think Oregon's defense has shown a little bit more. Um, But that offense for Washington, just the fact that they're going to bomb every play, every play we're bombing deep, 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 deep. It just, it's a lot of pressure on the opposing defense to either get pressure all the time or, you know, cover NFL receivers one-on-one or if you're not doing one-on-one they're going to eat up a zone so I you know I I think they'll be fine but again that's only until they play Oregon I don't think they will I don't think the Apple Cup is going to get them I don't you know I don't see them dropping one but but Oregon is yeah I think Oregon's just playing at a a higher level so I kind of favor Oregon yeah I think there's a a real question of is does Washington have a championship caliber defense? And I think the answer right now is no. Right. And I don't know if they can fix it. Yeah. But I tend to agree. Don't we'll look see. good. Yeah, we'll see. They'll they'll be given a chance. Um, I'm going to run through these other ones real quick just to touch on them. Marvin Harrison from Ohio State, the first half touchdowns. That's all that game was about. Uh, Michigan State has fallen on very hard times. Uh, Houston versus Cincinnati. The most interesting thing about that game was their uh, mascots had a pillow fight. Uh, Cincinnati, I actually did pick Cincinnati to win that game, got that one right because I knew they were better than their 2-7 and seven record uh, West Virginia, Oklahoma thought maybe maybe that one could get interesting, Oklahoma refused to really let it, like 
Virginia, West Virginia kind of kept playing like they were going to get it close, but not really. Um, Florida LSU, like we said, that was all about Jaden Daniels. Florida, I was impressed by Florida's ability to put up the offense to hang with LSU, but again, Jaden Daniels just keeps saying, how high do you need to set this bar of offense for me to get LSU's defense? So speaking of not championship defense, LSU's offense, championship level. LSU's defense, awful. Just like so bad. Just awful. Like, if they were just a little bit better, they would still be in this national championship picture, I feel like. But they're... They would at least compete for, for some conference yeah. accolades. Or at least, like, uh, they could be where Bama is. Like, they, if their defense is a little better, they maybe win the Bama game. Granted, Jalen Daniels got knocked out of that one. But it's just like their defense is so bad. Brian Kelly, fix it. Fix it. Um, Yeah, that was that window. My non-sports moment is the game of the week, so I'm going to save it for the end. I got to get to it. The nightclub, club club late night was a lot of blowouts and then the USC-Oregon game. Hawaii beat Air Force. Big win for Hawaii. Shout out to you, Timmy Chang. I feel like Air Force has fallen now and they might not be able to get up. Um, the, You know, the, the Army game just did it to them. Uh, BYU-Iowa State. Iowa State blew BYU out at BYU. That's a tough place to win typically at night. They didn't make it look hard at all. Uh, San Jose State beat Fresno State, which they were favorites to win. I saw that and um, kind of, I thought Fresno was better. I took Fresno, I took San Jose because just because they were favorites, and I was like, huh, maybe Vegas knows something I don't know. And they were, they were right. San Jose is better than we've maybe ever. I don't remember a good San Jose State team. They're playing for that big green V trophy um, that's on the back of the Fresno State helmet, but I guess it also has some ties to San Jose. Didn't really get the backdrop there. Kind of fell asleep. Mostly paid attention to USC, Oregon. Um, Bo Nix did what he had to do. USC put up a fight. Like, I think that was a nice quarterback duel, again, mm-hmm. kind of the way we had with Penix and Williams. We had Bo Nix and Williams. Fun to watch. Uh, Boise State won by a whole lot, and then their coach got fired. That was odd timing. I guess they just, like you said, the recruiting date or whatever, but rare that you see a coach fired after a 30-point victory. Same with Jimbo. Both of them yeah, won. Both of them won by like a lot, and then they're like, "All right, get out. Thank you, thank you for that. Leave now." Um, but the game of the week and my non-sports moment of the week. This was storybook stuff here. Soccer, NWSL finals championship. This was the final game for both Ali Krieger and Megan Rapino, two U.S. soccer legends two of the most decorated. Rapino literally is the most decorated U.S. soccer player, women's soccer player, men's either of all time. Uh, Her last international game did not end on a high note, but her OL reign, the club she plays for, made it to the finals against Gotham, NY, and Jersey, the one team that combines NY, NJ to make Gotham FC, so NY, NJ stand up. Uh, we made it to the finals, which was a miraculous rung, Allie Krieger. So both girls, final seasons, final leg, ends in a championship, their best friends, um, historic matchup in terms of they're both looking for their first NWSL finals uh, championships. Um, and it's off to, you know, the hype is unbelievable, big buildup. And three minutes into the game, sadly, Megan Rapino goes down, non-contact injury. Looked like either mm. calf or Achilles, just making a play to run for the ball. Goes down and just immediately kind of the same way that you 
just the laugh of like, I can't believe this is happening when she sailed the penalty kick a couple months ago in the uh, in the World Cup. That same, she had that same, like, I can't believe it just, just happened look. And that is when you kind of knew like, oh, it's not good. Like whatever it is, it's she's not going to be able to go. So she had to walk off. Um, she got, you know, standing ovation as she leaves the field, hugs Allie Krieger on the way out. But that was literally three minutes into the game. So that kind of tough, tough break there. Game goes on, though. She eventually goes off. Sub comes on. Game goes on. Uh, Lynn Williams opens the score for Gotham, scores the first goal. Rose Lavelle equalizes it. Rose Lavelle's incredible. I mean, all these girls, there are some of our best players, but Rose Lavelle's an amazing player. She equalizes it for O.L. Reign. Uh, Megan Rapino is celebrating on the back of one of her teammates because she can't walk, which is just a really awesome moment. Because in soccer, when you score, it's just it's the biggest deal ever. And you do have to jump up because, oh, my God, we did it. But she couldn't jump, so she jumped on her teammates' back. So that was really cool. Uh, then Esther Gonzalez, World Cup winner just this past summer, scored the go-ahead goal 2-1, second half, put the game away for Gotham FC. They win their first NYSL championship. Allie Krieger goes out with their first medal, goes out on top. Uh, super just awesome story, awesome game. Big win for another NY-located uh, soccer team because NYFC won the title in uh, MLS two seasons ago. I think not just last year, two years ago. Uh, so our soccer teams are doing big things. The rest of our sports teams could could take a hint. I guess, the you know, hockey's okay. But the rest of the teams could take a page from what the soccer teams are doing here in the greater New York, New Jersey area. And uh, that was the game of the day for me. There were some good football games, but none were better than that soccer game. Florida LSU was fun to watch, and I guess I would go – probably with the uh, Miami-Florida State game just because of the rivalry element of it. What do you got? Any? What was your game of the day? Any different ones? I missed yeah, I actually game. really enjoyed the uh, Duke-North Carolina game. Mm, that was. How did I skip that one? I must have had a note for it, but I probably didn't. It went really late. It was towards the start of the uh, USC. It was, eight, game, yeah, it was but... 8 o'clock, too. Yeah, it, it, yeah, they went to overtime. I saw them battling it out. Um, that was not, I was I was happy to see Duke was able to keep that a game, especially with Dow Riley Leonard, because it just seemed like post-Riley Leonard Duke would not be able to do that. Um, so that was impressive. Fun game. I like that that rivalry matters. But, you know, good job, UNC. Basketball season's underway now, so I can stop pretending like I actually care about Duke's football team. So we, we can move on to the things that matter. Yeah. And that means, like, Arizona, dealing with the Arizonas and Michigan States of the worlds and back-to-back games. But... Uh, that's another podcast. Performance of the day is Jalen Daniels. It's easy. 600 total yards of offense, <clears throat> over 200 in both the ground and the air. So that's just easy to talk about next week, unless you got something. I'm going a, I'm to a preview next week. What do you got? Anytime? Let's get it. All right. Uh, my game of the week is going to Tennessee at Georgia. That is a rivalry game that surpasses the record. It would have been better maybe if Tennessee only had the one loss, but um, just the environment at that game. I could have went really environment game there too, but I just think it'll be the uh, biggest game, which is 10. What I tend to do for game of the week is the biggest game, the most fun game I like to call my sleeper. So I think the most fun game, you're going to either have a shootout between SMU and Memphis. As I mentioned, both of those, you know, Memphis likes to score. So does SMU look for like a 50, 50 football game there. Uh, or Arizona, Utah. You got a hot Arizona team in the Pac-12. You got a Utah team that just plays everyone tough. 
that one I think could be a really fun game. Just both both teams going into it really could benefit from the win. Arizona's ranked in the AP now, 21, I think. Uh, Utah beating them only helps, you know, that they've only lost to really good teams pretty much this year. So keep an eye on that one. Environment-wise, give me App State at JMU. This is maybe every week I'm trying to look like, what's JMU's toughest test? Uh, Maybe it's App State because they blew Georgia Southern out. They blew all these other teams that were going to be their closest test. They blow them out. Maybe it's App State. We'll see. App State has kind of been the dominant force in the Sun Belt for a while. JMU, new kids on the block that have been running it now. So I like that storyline. So keep an eye on that. They're going to JMU. JMU is going to be lit for that game for sure. Other than that, other than just looking at the standings briefly, because the Big 12 scared me. That one was weird. Um, I'm just going to throw out some some standings here. Did you know UTSA, Roadrunners, and SMU and the American Athletic Conference are all are sitting there 6-0 with Tulane? Yeah. Yeah, they have a really interesting in the stretch of the season so that's uh, with those teams. Between Tulane and SMU, I think Memphis is in the mix as well. Yeah, Memphis five and one behind the UTSA, so that's fun. I've I've seen UTSA as coaching staffs are getting some looks. Uh, they have built a nice little program over there in quick quick amount of time. Uh, ACC is pretty much set. Louisville, Florida State, unless something crazy happens. We talked about Big Twelve, talked about Big Ten. Conference USA runs through Liberty, although quietly Jacksonville State and New Mexico State are sitting there should Liberty falter. Doubt it, but they're sitting there. Uh, Mac, we got Miami in one side. Toledo is the other team I talked about being pretty good on the other. So Miami's probably going to come out of there. Ohio sit behind them. Toledo's way ahead of anybody else. Com- uh, Mountain West is interesting. You got UNLV, who I talked about earlier this year, is like I just feel like they should have a good football program because it's fun to be in Vegas, and they've they've had a good year. They're sitting there five and one with uh, Air Force, so they took over Fresno State, Boise State, San Jose State. So UNLV, Air Force, I think that game is coming up, if I'm not mistaken, soon. So that'll be for that conference. We talked about Pac-12. We talked about SEC. Uh, Sun Belt. We, got, uh, we got Washington playing Oregon State this weekend. Yeah, we got Washington, Oregon State, and we have Oregon. Uh, we got Oregon at Arizona State. That should be easy. The only other uh, Sun Belt, I hope JMU's petition is successful, but if they're not allowed to compete for their own damn conference, that means Coastal Carolina's in first in the East and Troy's first in the West, pretty sizably. Um, so, I, so I, that's an illegitimate. If if any if anybody but JMU wins that conference, illegitimate conference winner don't doesn't count. Don't give them the trophy. Um, but the most interesting one, I I definitely had not been paying attention until this week that the uh, you know athletic American Athletic Conference is. Three teams at six and zero, UTSA and SMU up there with Tulane. So that down the stretch should be interesting because you know Tulane's trying to get that New Year's six, like we said, maybe that power, you know, group of five. Um, so that that that's that bears monitoring. But we're coming down the stretch, man. Rivalry week, trophy time, all that. Yes, favorite sir, favorite yes, time of the year. Thanksgiving's almost here. Uh, football. I don't like that the NFL is trying to take. 
Black Friday away from college football. That is always like certain rivalries play on. That's Egg Bowl Day. That is Iowa Iowa State Day. Not Iowa Iowa State Day. There's another rivalry that's uh, kind of always on that day. But yeah, um, looking forward to this week, week twelve. Um, looking forward to hearing the rankings tomorrow. If they do anything crazy, maybe we'll hop on for an emergency pod. But if everything stays copacetic, we will talk to you guys after week twelve. Peace out, y'all.